to get started now. Uh, it is great to be in the house of the Lord with you all this morning. And before we get started, let's just go before the Lord and pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity we get to gather in your house, to, 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 to just be filled with your joy, with your presence here today, Lord. We welcome you into this house, Lord Jesus. May you have center stage. May you be the focus of all that we do. May you be the focus of this message. Use me just as a vessel of honor. May I decrease so that you, oh Lord, will be increased. It is your name we pray, amen. All right, we are getting started. Gift of Hope is our series that we are running through. Uh, not running, we're slowly walking through it, uh, brisk walk maybe, I don't know. But if you, on the way in, hopefully you got uh, sermon notes. If you didn't, let us know, raise your hand. We, we have them for you if you want them. Uh, just fill in the blank, come along as you go, and then you can ponder on it you know, during the week and just go through the sermon notes and, and uh, continue to look at it. But the title of my message today is Hope for the Nations. We've gone through hope for our home, hope through our town, and now it is hope for the nations. And uh, there's, there's a main text that we've been focused on, a main scripture, which is in Romans 10. And uh, I'm gonna be reading from the English Standard Version in this case, but uh, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are, not, unless they are sent? Is, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. This is our main focus over this series. But one great thing about this is that this, this text, it, it cuts right to it. I mean, it, 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 there's no confusion in the text at all. It, it's showing us, it's asking us a question and also kind of answering it for us at the same time. How are these things going to be able to be done unless these things are done. And it's so clear about, you know, you just got to confess with your mouth. You got to believe in your heart. Like these are the things that are very clear to us. And this scripture overall, it's very simple, it's universal, and it's direct. It's simple, universal, and direct. Universal, I think, is the key point here because we're talking about how it's hope for the nations is that this word is for all people. We've also covered text. It's good news of great joy for all people. This is for everybody, not just our home, not just, not just our town, not just our workplace, not just our church. This is for the nations, the entirety of the world. And in the simplicity, the directness of it is you believe and confess. You believe and confess that he is Lord of all. He's not just Lord of your life. He's not just Lord of church. He is Lord of all. He is Lord of heaven and earth. He is Lord of heaven and hell. He is Lord over all things. And we, as we recognize that, we believe and we confess. We believe in our heart, confess with our tongue that he is Lord. It's very simple. It's very direct. There's not all these boxes and things that you have to check off to come into to a, a relationship with Jesus. 
You don't have to, you don't have to go through growth track. You don't have to become a member of Life Church. You don't have to get baptized. All of these things we want you to do because we wanna know where your heart is here with us as we continue to grow and advance the kingdom of God, but they aren't necessary for your salvation. You believe and confess. It's simple, it's universal, it's direct. And it also shows that the gospel is for everyone. I mean, in, in its entirety, the Christmas story of itself is a great commission story. It is a gospel message in itself. And it is for everyone of all nations, every tribe, every nation, every tongue will confess that he is Lord. I wanna take us to Matthew 28. It says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. You see, our, like, ultimately, we all have kind of our own life missions, our own life goals. But here's the thing. At Life Church, our mission is to take the hope to all nations. The hope is the good news that is referred to, good news of great joy to all people. It is hope, and it is our mission at Life Church to take it to all the nations. Not to say we don't care about those at home. I mean, we talk about the Christmas miracle gift, it's benevolence. Benevolence is people in our congregation, abilities that we can help them financially in times of need. And we've done it, and we continue to do it. I just wanna brag on God, really, because it was him that allowed it to be done, but we were able to give, as, as, uh, as our Pendleton campus, you guys, by your generosity, we were able to give, beat the record of what was given in a benevolence. I can't tell you the exact amount, but I said, I asked, I said, hey, I would really like to give this amount. And, and it came back and, and Maria, love Maria, and she, she said, well, we've, we've only given up to this amount before. I said, okay, so? <laughs> I said, well, let's beat it. Records are meant to be broken, let's go. And it wasn't that she didn't wanna give it. She was just like, hey, this is all that we've, I said, cool, my people, they're generous. Like, this is what we're here for. We're here to help our people. And the need came and she, like, she approved it. Her and Pastor Nathan approved it and they approved it uh, joyfully. They, they, it wasn't like pulling teeth at any mean, by any means, but I was like, because of your generosity, you've been able to help those right here in your own campus. And, uh, and, and, and I just looked to God, I'm like, God, you're so good because we continue, he continues to show up. And even when we give more than, than we are comfortable with, he continues to show up. See, our mission is not just for home. It's for the near as well. We talked about that, hope for our home, hope for our town, but it's for all nations, for all people, every nation, tribe, and tongue. But here's the deal. Someone has to tell them so they can taste for themselves. Somebody has to tell them. Look at it this way. In simple terms. Let's, be, let's, let's bring, it down, bring it down a notch here. Is that when you go and you you experience something, or let's just stick to food, I guess. I love food. When you, when you have something that tastes so good, and you're like, man, that was the best, like, ever, best, we'll stick with wings, okay? Uh, best wings ever, all right? Best wings ever. I'm not telling any about, anybody about it, because every time I go, then it'll, it'll be busy, and I won't be able to get my wings. No, that's not true. I'm telling everybody. That's, it's, it's truth. Like, you're gonna wanna tell people the great things that you experience. And the same goes here. I know 
Pastor Nathan, he's preaching over at Noblesville today. He's sharing a story about how I exposed him to Smokey's concession stand in Lapel, and he loves the wings. And it got me thinking. I was like, you know, those aren't even the best wings I've ever had. I, I lived in Durham, North Carolina for, for a, a season uh, in college, and I was working at Duke University, and there's this place called Heavenly Buffaloes. It is literally as, it's probably smaller than this platform right here. It's a shack. And, and like they, you can't go in, you go up to a window. It's, I mean, it is kind of sweet, but like I was, my sister, she lived there at the time. She was like, hey, you gotta try these wings out. And I said, oh, okay, I've had good wings, we'll see. But li- literally, seriously, best wings hands down ever on this planet, and I will die by that. Also, there's a lot of great things in Durham, North Carolina. Bojangles, Bojangles, Bowberry Biscuits. It's not just, it's, I'm just saying, like, if you've had Bojangles, Bowberry Biscuits, you know. We went to a Grow Conference a couple years ago, and uh, down in Alabama, there's a Bojangles there. But the first time I experienced it was in Durham, and I said, y'all, we gotta get some Bojangles, Bowberry Biscuits. And they were like, what are you talking about? So I left early from the hotel, went and picked up Bojangle Bowberry Biscuits. It's also really fun to say, uh, if you can't tell. <laughs> and we come, and I bring them, and they're like, and some of them were like, oh, it's too sweet. Too sweet? What is that? Like, what, what do you mean it's too sweet? Like, you eat them. You know, like, they're good for you. It's sweet. That's, I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me when somebody says something's too sweet. Anyways, all that to say, we do our part. I mean, if we're gonna talk about it for food or experience or, or a concert or, or something else, like why wouldn't we do the same thing about Jesus and what he has done in our lives? It is our job, it's our duty because we have to share that with them so they can taste for themselves. Psalm 34 says this, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blesses the man who takes refuge in him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. We have to share it with them so that they can taste and see for themselves. Ultimately, we fulfill the great commission by going and sending others to tell the story of Jesus. Some of us will go, a lot of us will send. And we send by providing means financially most of the time. Prayer is part of that. Like there there are many, many parts of this where we have to, as a church, we can't reach the nations right here in, in Pendleton, like right here, we can't reach every single person in the nation, but we can by sending people. We can as a church by sending and providing for missionaries that need it most, providing, providing anything they need to be able to, and not even just missionaries, but people who are already on the ground in, in, in areas. This year we're focusing on Asia Pacific uh, uh, regions and in those regions, there are people already on the ground, people that already know the culture that just need funding to be able to take the story of Jesus and share it. In Luke chapter two, this is a Christmas story. It says, and and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. We see good news of great joy for all people. And I want to break those three things down. Good news is hope. 
The good news is hope for all people. And when we think of this good news at this time, the, 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 term, the term was, I mean, they didn't say like, hey, this is good, good news. The term most likely in this time is, is like through translations, it's, it's been translated to uh, good news. But at this time, you, actually the word most likely was uh, euangelion. I still can't pronounce it, but euangelion, I believe it's how it is. It is a Greek word, and it really means announcement or accession to the throne of a ruler. Of a ruler. Usually this, like, most of the time in these cases, a lot of people were, were, like, would hear this uh, euangelion and like, almost fear would come because they're like, oh, I'm being called or summoned or, or something along that. Like, it's a big announcement. And yes, it is a big announcement. It is an important, weighty or royal news. That is, what, that is what this comes down to. It's important, weighty, or royal news. And they're still trying to figure this out. We see the back end of it. The story already happened. We see what happened. But for them, they don't know what's going. They're like, oh no, what's coming? But the story is of Jesus. And obviously great joy comes from that, and they recognize that. But ultimately, we have to recognize for ourselves that Jesus, he put the good in good news. He was the good news, but he was the good that is of good news. Because we've all probably at times had good news come, but maybe we don't recognize it as good news right away. And I think like, that's what's happening here. The shepherds, they're, they're, they know the news is here, but they're kind of fearful. They're like, oh, what's happening? And then, and then it turns into good, and then it's, it's a sigh of relief almost. Um, and then the other part, good news of great joy to all people is great joy. Also meaning uh, Megalin Karan. And the root word of this, the, uh, of Megalon Karan, is uh, kara. It's a Greek meaning, meaning inner gladness, delight, or rejoicing. You know, Devin shared about uh, the friend. I'm also uh, in that, the same group uh, text thread. Uh, we have a, like a, a men's accountability group. Like five of us are in a text. So I saw the same text that he shared about, the joy, how, you know, it's a characteristic um, it's not just a, a, a position like happiness and all that like emotion, whatever. Well, this is like this great joy that is being discussed here. That, this is what it is. It's inner gladness. It is delight. It is rejoicing. So much joy, so joyful. You can't hide it even if you wanted to. You have a great joy. Uh, Donald Campbell says this. It does not depend on circumstances because it rests in God's sovereign control of all things. There's a lot of great peace in this. There's, there's a lot of peace, and because of this peace, there is great joy. Martin Lloyd-Jones says this, joy is the response and the reaction of the soul to a knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. When you know the Lord, you can't help but have joy about you. That joy is one of the fruits of the Spirit. Like, there's no coincidence. There is great joy in knowing Jesus. So we have good news. We have great joy to all people is the nations, which is our focus today, the nations. The thing about this news is that it was meant to be shared. It was never meant to, to come and then not be talked about. This was one thing that was meant to be shared. 
And it's been, it's, and it's continued to be shared over and over and over and over and over again. And now here we are, 2023. And we still continue to share, and we're gonna continue to share this news because it's meant to be shared. Because he is our great hope. And he is our living hope. See, we are taking, as a church, good news of great joy to far off places. We say all people, it's far off places. Places where people don't even know Jesus. People who've never even heard the name of Jesus. That is our job. That is our duty. And as a church, you guys are a part of that. You guys get to be a part of that because of your generosity. That's the cool part. You may sit back and think, I haven't really done anything in this. No, by your tithes, by your offerings, by your generosity of, uh, of kingdom builders, faith promise, or even today, potentially at the end of the service with the Christmas miracle gift, you get to have a part of that and say, I had a part in this one person getting to know Jesus and it changed their entire generation their entire province, their, their entire village, whatever it may look like, there is great joy to be shared and it is our job to take it to far off places. So I wanna talk about the Christmas miracle gift, what that looks like. What is it? There have been a lot of questions around it. We've talked about the kingdom. Some people had questions. Is, is the kingdom uh, builder's faith promise? Is it the same thing? No, they're different. This Christmas miracle gift has the potential to be matched and I'll get to that here in a little bit later, but that is why this one sets itself apart. Around this season, everybody wants to give gifts uh, or, or receive gifts, but we wanna give the greatest gift of all, and that is the name of Jesus, to the far off places of all people. In the uh, magazines that, I've, that have been around for the last three weeks, they're at the Welcome Center, if you wanna check them out, the pamphlets, there, there are 18 strategic projects in five distinct categories. There's, that's a lot. You're like, what does this all total up to? Ultimately, it totals up to like somewhere around $2.4 million or something. And yeah, you're thinking, whoa, big number. Well, here's the deal. These are the five categories. There's Buddhist Hindu priority, business, church planting, trafficking, compassion, and campus ministries. And these aren't things, yes, we deal with those things. We partner with with people right here in our own town that, to handle a lot of these things. But it's also our job right now in the Asia Pacific region, we're gonna take care of business through what you guys get to do and your generosity. I wanna start with the campus ministries. And the first thing being Chi Alpha. There's a Chi Alpha in University of Tokyo. And in Tokyo, what I don't think what I don't know if people fully recognize, there are 127 million in Japan, 37 million in Tokyo, less than 1% know Jesus. Less than 1% of 37 million know Jesus. Less than 1% of 127 million in Japan know Jesus. That is a small number in comparison to the amount of people. And I think we have to recognize that university ministry is critical for what we do. It is so critical because it is a season of life where people are coming from high school, going to college, and then adulthood. It's a season where they're trying to figure out. They're changing their major eight, eight ten, 10 times. Some people never change their major. Glory to God. But a lot of people change their major, trying to figure out what they want to do in life, trying to figure out where they want to go. Ultimately, 
it is a season of growth. It is a season of, of, of fine-tuning kind of who they wanna be as a person. There's a lot of influences on the campus ministry level, on the campus level. There's a lot of influences. Some are good, a lot are not that great. And I want you to put, I wanna put a number that 51% of Christians in Japan were baptized between 20 to 24 years old. If that's saying anything, that shows how critical it is. Over, over half of the people that become Christians in Japan were reached at the 20 to 24 year old mark or were baptized at 20 to 24 year old mark. And there's a great power in the young adult generation. That's why my heart is we launched the, our young adult ministry at Life Church just over a year ago. Uh, well, not just over, it's almost two years now, I guess. Uh, and I also have the privilege of leading a conference that is geared for young adults, both of which are geared for young adults in the area, not just for Life Church. A lot of churches don't have a young adult ministry. They count them out at times. And I, we didn't have one for a while. And it took having a conversation. We need one. And I, you know, I was blessed to be able to, to start out with, with uh, Pastor Josephine and, and Devin, actually. We were able to launch that here. And ultimately, we have to recognize that this season of life for these individuals, for the young adults, is so critical. And that's why we have to be on these campuses. Chi Alpha, a great thing about Chi Alpha is we actually support a lot of missionaries who already do Chi Alpha right here in the States. Uh, one of which I have a great relationship with. His name's uh, him and his wife, Josh and Danny. Uh, they, they launched Chi Alpha IUPUI, and I was able to, to, to meet with them uh, just recently. Uh, my wife, Kelsey, and I took them out to lunch just to see how things are going and, and uh, just, just continue to keep those relationships intact and see how we can be praying for them and supporting them outside of like the financial need, of course. And one thing he said to me was that the best part about campus ministry is that to reach the world, you don't have to necessarily go all around the world. If you go to a campus, a big campus, there's all different nations, all different cultures coming there. And if you can reach them, then they already have the culture down. You teach them about Jesus, they go back to their hometown, they go back to their village, and they're able to share the name, to share the story of Jesus through what you've done. And we're trying to do that in Tokyo, at the University of Tokyo, we're trying to do that because they already have the culture down. We want to plant this Chi Alpha because of how important and how critical it is. It is, it is uh, a story he, he shared. He had a Chinese student that I want to share with you. He had a Chinese student that uh, got saved, had a lot of questions. He won her to Christ at one of their groups. Um, and they were meeting in their, in their basement at their house at the time at one of the groups through Google Translate because she had, there was such a uh, uh, language barrier there. Through Google Translate, wanted to cry. She had all these questions. It took forever, he said. He said, but it was so worth it because when she left, she went back to Japan or, or she went back to China and in her village, we think of a village as like a small thing and her village had a, a million people in her, in her one village. So you take one person you plant them in a group of a million people and then she starts winning over friends and families. We're doing that thing right there in the University of Tokyo. It happens all across the state, but we're doing it in University of Tokyo where the culture already exists. And this, these are things that are gonna be possible to share the story of Jesus to those people who know less than 1% of Jesus. We're gonna be able to increase that number exponentially by planting a Chi Alpha ministry right there in the University of Tokyo. Another story is Mongolia. Mongolia is one of the most rural places on the planet. 
one of the most, I didn't put that in here, it says most, but it's one of the most rural places on the planet. For uh, no one for hundreds of miles has ever even heard the name of Jesus. For hundreds of miles in any direction, never heard the name of Jesus. That sounds absurd to us. I get it. We have the luxury of, of Western culture in America, that, that country founded on biblical principles. Like we, we've had, we've, somebody in our life at one time or another, whether you're here for the first time, don't even have a relationship with Jesus, I, you're here for a reason. Somebody obviously share it with you. I don't think I've ever met anybody that's never heard the name of Jesus in America. And maybe you have. You know, there's, I'm sure there's needles in the haystack here and there, but ultimately, that's crazy to think about. For hundreds of miles, nobody's even heard the name of Jesus in this area. There's, there's this gal, her, name's, her name is uh, Volga. First time believer in the history of her family and one of the first in her province. And we have a team on the ground who was able to win her to Christ. She got baptized. First one in the history of her family for hundreds of generations, like hundreds of years of generations going back. And, and, and one of the first in her province, which is like, I think the number was around like, I don't know, 1.4 million or something like that in her province. And one cool story about Volga is that she came to the team. She recognized her. She had a grandma, 103 years old. And she was sick. She was getting sicker. And she had realized that uh, she'd get sicker, and she told the team about it. So the team went, went, and, uh, went and had a conversation with the grandma, said, hey, your, your uh, granddaughter shares with me. And, you know, they have a translator going on, but uh, the, it says, your, your granddaughter shares with me that, um, though the question was, do you know what happened with your granddaughter? Like, do you know what changed in her life? And this, the conversation went on and went on. And since 1919, she has been sitting, waiting for Somebody shared Jesus with her. She held on. She thought, like, yeah, it's in her own strength. God had a plan all along. He said, this is 1919. You're going to be sitting, and here you are at 103 years old. For the first time ever, somebody shares the name of Jesus with you. She gets saved in that moment. A month later, she passes away. You tell me, like, God's not in the business of coincidences, okay? Like, he had a plan for her all along. He placed these people here intentionally, knowing that he, they, would, they would have a chance and an opportunity to reach them, to reach Bolga, to reach her grandmother. And that's just one story of many stories of our teens that are on the ground in Mongolia. In this Asia-Pacific area, there is such great opportunities. But how will they hear unless someone tells them? We have to send them. It is our job to send them. Somebody has to. Why not it be us? That's the real question we should be asking. Why not us? We have things so great here. We have more than we could ever ask for. Why can't we do more to send them? I want to share some projects with you just to put numbers to things. And I know numbers scare people sometimes, but I'm putting it out there because I think that it will inspire generosity in the hearts of each and every single one of us today, this morning. The one focus that we have is our Cambodia Train Up Children's Home. This is part of the uh, uh, compassion and trafficking. It has cost $799 a year for one orphan to take care of clothes, food, all that good stuff. 
Here's the deal. What's happened here is that the mafia has come in. They've basically eminent domain. They said, you can't have this place anymore. We're taking it over. They corrupted the government. They said, we're taking it, the mafia, and they want to build casinos. Now they have nowhere to go, and it costs costs money to obviously move them and put them in a place. So they have everything they have with them, and they're, they're waiting for a place to be built for them. And to take care of them up to this moment and even fund the project to build, I mean, 800 bucks for one orphan for one year, clothing and food. You may be like, how does that even make sense? How does that add up? It's because, well, we live in excess here, to be honest. Campus ministries in Indonesia as well. There are 100 campuses we're wanting to plant. It costs $1,000 each to get them off the ground and started. Right there in Indonesia, 100 campus ministries. There's Bible colleges. We want five Bible college dorms in uh, Papua New Guinea, $35,000 each, five of those. Church planters in Vietnam, there are 42 planters waiting and it costs uh, $1,080 to cover them for two years. To support them for two years, you give just over $1,000 for two years. That's mind blowing to me for church planters. They recognize they don't need the excess. All this stuff we have here is great. Like this, this is a church plant. We're just over a year in, but we were blessed immensely, way greater than, than they have. It. But they don't, they recognize they don't need them, need it all. As long as Jesus, as long as the word is preached, as long as Jesus is present, like you don't need anything else outside of that. Let's be honest with ourselves. But it's 42 planners at that amount. Micro business in, in the Philippines, it's 300 families waiting, $150 each. You say, I can't give, I can't give, a, you know, $1,000. I can't give 35,000. Could you give 150 to take care of one family, to set them up financially, start their business so they can find financial freedom right where they are and be able to use that business for the gospel, to share the gospel, to be a ministry in itself. And then as always, our Project Rescue, Project Rescue deals with trafficking, sex trafficking, and it's $3,500 each. I believe there's two exact, uh, two locations, but it's uh, $3,500 each for one girl. They'll get food, clothes, discipleship, programming, schooling, everything, up until they're, they decide that they're ready to move on and go. We save them from sex trafficking. We don't just save them and like put them in a house and say, all right, here's food, you know, stay here as long as you want. No, we disciple them. That is part of the process. We disciple them. We share, share Jesus with them. We share the hope that we have in Christ. And we help them grow spiritually, physically, emotionally, all of it. It's all taken care of. But the cool thing about this is, I shared this last week. There is, I said, I asked the question, I said, if you could give $10 and it turns into $20, would you do it? Yeah. If you could give $100, it turns into $200. $1,000 turns into $2,000. Whatever the amount is, whatever the amount's in your head, it doubles. If you could do it, would you do it? And everybody was basically like, yeah, why not? Like, that sounds smart. It's a smart investment. Yeah. Well, we're investing in souls. We're investing in the lives of of people to be saved from from where they are and and take them to where Jesus uh, wants them to be. We're investing in the saving of souls right here. 
this is the opportunity. And we partner with Stone Table every year. Stone Table, they match us the first million. They match the first million. And here's the thing, these are big numbers. Stone Table partners with, there's, there's 12 other churches, I believe, that are also partnered with Stone Table. So 12 churches are doing the same thing, covering different projects, but same area, Asia Pacific. So we're get to come, that's Capital C Church. Let's see for you guys. Capital C Church, like we're coming together to, to create change, to inspire and influence generations of change. And you guys get to be part of it, which is the best thing. Because you really don't have to lift a finger. Like we, 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 we like things when they're easy. This is the easiest way to change a life, is to give even if it's a dollar. Here's the thing, it's not, it's not the amount. It's not the amount at all. God knows your heart. God knows what you have. I just ask that you'll, you'll pray about it, you'll consider it. And we're about to take this offering up here in just a moment, but some of you may be sitting here and you're a little afraid because you don't have much. You have maybe financial burdens or stresses. Well, Luke 2.10, take us back there. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Do not be afraid. Don't fear of what you don't have. Be grateful for what you do have and watch the Lord work. Move in faith. It's a big step of faith for a lot of people to give in general, but for something like this, it may even take a bigger step of faith. But we get to do this. And it is a great joy, it is a great honor, and it is a great privilege to be able to have the opportunity to change lives around the world for all people.